तम हृदय विन्यस्या विधम दंडक खंड कई स्वाप्थाद पलवम रामा आत्मज्योति और अगात तथा after completing the sacrifice, Lord Ramchandra, whose lotus feet were sometimes pierced by thorns when he lived in Dandakaranya, placed those lotus feet in the hearts of those who always think of him. Then he entered his own abode, the Vaikuntha planet, beyond the Brahma Jyoti. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. The lotus feet of the Lord are always a subject for meditation for devotees. Sometimes when Lord Ramachandra wandered in the forest of Dandakaranya, thorns pricked His lotus feet. The devotees, upon thinking of this, would faint. The Lord does not feel pain or pleasure from any action or reaction of this material world. But the devotees cannot tolerate even the pricking of the Lord's lotus feet by a thorn. This was the attitude of the gopis when they thought of Krishna wandering in the forest with pebbles and grains of sand pricking his lotus feet. This tribulation in the heart of a devotee cannot be understood by karmis, jnanis, or yogis. The devotees who could not tolerate even thinking of the Lord's lotus feet being pricked by a thorn were again put into tribulation by thinking of the Lord's disappearance. For the Lord had to return to his abode after finishing his pastimes in this material world. The word Atma Jyoti is significant. The Brahma Jyoti, which is greatly appreciated by jnanis or monistic philosophers who desire to enter it for liberation, is nothing but the rays of the Lord's body. Yasya prava pravavato jagaranda koti kohotish vesha vishudhadi vibhuti binnam Tahad Brahma Nishkala Mananta Mashesha Bhutam Govinda Madi Purusham Damaham Bhajami. I worship Govinda, the primeval Lord, who is endowed with great power. The glowing effulgence of his transcendental form is the impersonal Brahman, which is absolute, complete, and unlimited, and which displays the varieties of countless planets with their different opulences in millions and millions of universes. Brahma Samhita 5.40 The Brahma Jyoti is the beginning of the spiritual world, and beyond the Brahma Jyoti are the Vaikuntha planets. In other words, the Brahma Jyoti stays outside the Vaikuntha planets, just as the sunshine stays outside the sun. To enter the sun planet, one must go through the sunshine, Similarly, when the Lord or his devotees enter the Vaikuntha planets, they go through the Brahma Jyoti. The jnanis or monistic philosophers, because of their impersonal conception of the Lord, cannot enter the Vaikuntha planets, but they also cannot stay eternally in the Brahma Jyoti. Thus, after some time, they 
fall again to this material world. Aruya Krishna Parampadam Tatapajant Yado Yado Nadrita Yusmarangraya. The Vaikuntha planets are covered by the Brahma Jyoti, and therefore one cannot properly understand what those Vaikuntha planets are unless one is a pure devotee. Translation. After completing the sacrifice, Lord Ramchandra, whose lotus feet were sometimes pierced by thorns when he lived in the Dandakaranya forest, placed those feet in the hearts of those who always think of him. Then he entered his own abode, Vaikuntha planet, beyond the Brahma Jyoti. Om Ajnantimirandasya Yananjana Chalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jainatasmoy Sri Guru Venama. In this narration of, from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Srila Shukadeva Goswami is beautifully describing emotion on the spiritual platform, which is not like the emotions on the bodily platform. You see, in the illusion of Maya, we have feelings, we have these emotions, but because they are attached to the misconception that we are this body, they are all simply a disturbance for our spiritual advancement. It is described in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Yasyatma Bodhi that one who considers this material body made of material elements to be oneself one who considers those who are near and dear family members to be one's own and identifies as such. One who goes to a holy place to bathe in the river without associating with the great souls. Such a person, his mentality is like an asura cow, saeva gokura, which means it is simply animal consciousness. In other words, bodily conception of life is animal consciousness. Janasya moho We are all under this illusion that I am this body and those thir- things and those persons in relation to this body are mine. This is the greatest illusion. Of course, the materialistic people, they treasure this great illusion. They live for this great illusion. They consider this great illusion to be the all in all in life, the most important feature of life. And therefore, they even condemn 
these sadhus who present the scripture to reveal to them that yes, your life is an illusion. They think, what are you doing? You are, you are breaking up everything that is, that is precious in our life. But that was Narada Muni's business. Narada Muni's business was to cut through the illusion. And all those great souls in the parampara, that is their business, to cut through the illusion. It does not mean to disturb our relationships in this world necessarily, but to destroy the, re the illusion of the bodily conception of life. And therefore, in the material world, our emotions and our sentiments are deeply, deeply felt on the basis of this illusion. And it causes great grief and suffering to the soul. But here we find the same type of emotions, the same types of feelings in Lord Ramchandra himself. And amongst his devotees. It is described here in the purport that when Lord Sri Ram was walking through the forest, with his bare feet, even the grains of sand, which seemed very hard and very sharp when compared to the softness of his lotus feet, the devotees would cry, they would faint, thinking that his lotus feet had to be subjected to touching this hard and sharp grains of sand. What to speak of the thorns that lie in the roadside and the rocks and the stones. Also the gopis of Vrindavan, they would cry rivers of tears thinking that Krishna's lotus feet were being trampled, were trampling upon hard objects like stones and thorns. The gopis their own breasts, which is the softest part of their body. They were thinking, it is too hard compared to the beautiful soft lotus feet of Krishna. So in this way, we see transcendental emotion of concern for the feelings of our beloved. But these types of transcendental emotions are born from a spirit of devotion, not from a spirit of bodily attachment. That is the difference. You see, we all know that these attachments to the body, to the family, to our society, to our senses, they are all an illusion. So the jnanis, the impersonalist philosophers, and the mayavadis, they say that you should be without emotion, you should be without feeling. These things are all maya. And therefore they cannot understand how the devotee is weeping in separation from the Lord. They cannot see, understand how the devotee is crying tears upon hearing about the thorns touching the lotus feet of the Lord. 
because as far as they're concerned, all form is an illusion. So therefore, they claim that the devotees are simply sentimentalists. They're still on the bodily concept of life. Because they have not entered into the realm of understanding transcendental emotion, transcendental sentiments. It is described by Srila Narottam Das Thakur. Vishayachadiya kabe shudahabhimana kabe hamaheri bosri brindavan. Vrindavan is the place of transcendental emotion, the place of transcendental feeling. And Narottam Das Thakur says, only when I give up all connection and attachments to sense gratification will I be able to understand and perceive Vrindavan. As long as we are attached to the illusions of this world, the transcendental spiritual emotions of the soul remain dormant, remain sleeping. Just like yesterday, the day before yesterday in the morning when we were in Brajadham, we visited a very holy place called Bandiravan. And there are many wonderful stories that took place there in Lord Sri Krishna's Leela. But one of the stories <clears throat> is when Krishna was going to leave for Mathura on the invitation of Akrura. <clears throat> Sridham, who was one of the eight Sakas and one of the most loving friends of Lord Sri Krishna, he said to Krishna that if you leave Vrindavan, I will kill myself. I cannot live in separation from you. I will jump in the Jamuna, I will drown myself. That will be an easy thing, but to live in separation from you, I cannot do it. It's too painful to even think. And Krishna, he told Sridham, no, no, you cannot do that. You just wait for me. I will be back within one or two days. Sridham said, well, I'm going to stand under the Bamsiva tree in Bandiravan, which is one of our favorite playgrounds and I will stay here and I will not leave this place until you come. Krishna said, yes, I will come. Sridham stood under the Bamsiva tree for one day, two days, three days, one week, two weeks, three weeks, one month, two months, three months, one year, two years, three years, four years, a hundred years, two hundred, one century, two centuries, three centuries. He's still there in his spiritual body. Sridham is still standing under that tree waiting for Krishna to return. But he's not simply waiting like we wait for a bus. His heart is aggrieved in separation. As Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu prays in his Shikshastakam verses, Yugayatam nimeshena chakshusha pravrishayatam sunyayatam jagat sarvam govinda virahename. Sunyayatam. Sunyayatam means zero, means nothing, means void. Sunyayatam jagat sarvam. That means this whole universe, jagat sarvam. 
is nothing but one empty void. Sunyayatam, Govinda Virahename, bereft of the sight of Govinda. Sridham was enraptured in this mood of utter separation, his heart aggrieved, constant tears flowing from his eyes, his body trembling, unable to eat or sleep, simply waiting for Krishna. So knowing this wonderful bhava of Sridham, Sridhama, a beautiful murti of Sridhama, long, long ago was installed under the Bamsivat tree just to commemorate that he is always here waiting for Krishna to return to Vrindavan. And when Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was on his pilgrimage of Vrindavan, he traveled to all the twelve forests. When he came to Bandiravan, he saw the Murti of Sridham. As you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was none other than Lord Krishna himself. When he saw Sri Dhamma, he became so blissful. He ran and he cried out, Sri Dhamma, Sri Dhamma, I have come. Alas, after all these thousands of years, I have come, I have returned to Vrindavan just to see you. And then Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, with tears of love flowing from his eyes, he ran to that beautiful Murti of Sri Dhamma and embraced him. So this transcendental emotion, this transcendental feelings, they are the, the treasure of the most precious qualities of love within the hearts of the great souls. And we must learn to cultivate these types of feelings and these types of emotions. And we must learn to become detached from the emotions and the sentiments that are springing from the bodily concept, the illusory conception of life. Here we find Lord Sri Ramchandra in separation from his wife, his eternal consort Sita Devi. Find Sita Devi's separation from the Lord. What a beautiful pastime. She had two wonderful sons, Lava and Kush, after which, being banished from the vision of the Lord, she could not tolerate the separation. Fixing the lotus feet of the Lord within her heart by her divine potencies, the earth from which she was born again opened and she entered into the earth to perform the pastime of her disappearance. And when Lord Sri Ramchandra heard this shocking news, that Sita was no longer. It is described here that he was certainly aggrieved. Now here is Shukadev Goswami glorifying Lord Ram for being certainly aggrieved for attachment to Sita. We know the story of Shukadev Goswami. He was completely detached from family affairs. 
his mother and father, Vyasdev, was father. They had him as child. They were anxious to love him as a child. But he had no concern. He remained in the womb for 16 years, thinking that this is all Maya. And then, finally, he came out, not for them, but he came out only when he heard the glorious pastimes of the Lord, the Srimad Bhagavatam being spoken by his father. So for the chance to serve Krishna, to surrender to Krishna, he came out of the womb. And what did he do when he came out of the womb? He just walked out of his house, started walking through the forest. His own father and mother were chasing after him. Come back home, you are our son, please come back home. Shukadeva Goswami just walked. It was described as he was walking, he came to a pond, a lake, where beautiful young girls were bathing with no clothes. And when they saw him coming, they simply smiled. They felt no shame or embarrassment. But when Vyasdev, who was old enough to be their grandfather, when he came running by looking for the sun, they immediately became very disturbed and started covering their bodies. And Vyasdev said, why did you remain undisturbed? My son is your age. You should be more ashamed before him. And the young ladies, they said, no, no. You see, because you are a Grihasta, you must make distinctions what is male and female. Although you are liberated soul, still, you have to come down to the platform of making distinction as a Grihasta. But Shukadev, he, may, he knows no difference between male, female, good, bad, happiness, distress, pleasure, pain. He's beyond all these bodily conceptions. He's beyond all the illusions. So the same Shukadeva Goswami, such a great soul, when he saw his father's great attachment for him, not wanting to get involved in all these affairs, it describes in the ninth canto of the Bhagavatam that he expanded himself to be an illusory Shukadeva Goswami who went home with his father to get married and have children. But the real Shukadeva Goswami just kept walking away, completely liberated and free from all of these designations. And as he was walking, he, he was naked and he was showing no regard whatsoever for any material emotions or any material forms of etiquette. So the people thought that he was crazy, he was a madman. And they treated him like a madman. People were throwing abominable substance on him. They were beating him, threatening him. He did not try to defend himself. He did not try to prove himself to be accepted by society. He was quite happy for people to be doing, thinking of him like this. The ordinary people of the world could not understand. They condemned him. They thought he was crazy. It was only the greatest of the sages who could recognize his spiritual qualities. When all the assembled devotees of the Lord from all over the universe assembled to give knowledge to Maharaj Parikshit during his last seven days. When Shukadeva Goswami entered into that arena, they all bowed their heads and put him on the Vyasasan and asked him to speak. So here is the great Shukadeva Goswami who is shown by his example, not simply by his words, that he was totally aloof to the bodily conception of life. 
But here with love and devotion, he is praising and glorifying Sri Ram for crying tears of love and separation from Sita, his wife, his consort. What does this mean? This means the transcendental love affairs of the Lord and the transcendental love affairs between the Lord and his devotees and even the transcendental love affairs between devotees and other devotees are completely transcendental. They are beyond material lust and attachment. And therefore, these feelings, these spiritual emotions should be cultivated. Just like when the spiritual master is put into difficulty. The spiritual master, whether he feels pain or no pain, that is something we cannot understand. It is incomprehensible to us how he is feeling pain when he's transcendental. But when the disciple sees the spiritual master in a situation like this, it grieves his heart. He cannot tolerate seeing it. When Srila Prabhupada would become very ill, sometimes he would have to be hospitalized, sometimes he couldn't, he was not allowed to go anywhere. Devotees would ask, why does the spiritual master become ill like this? He said, to increase the love of his disciples. so that the disciples would develop a more personal concern and care which would cultivate their love for him. So a, spirit, a, a worthy disciple should develop these spiritual emotions. These emotions are transcendental. Why? Because they are directed toward a pure spiritual personality. Just like it is explained uh, it was asked by Maharaj Parikshit during the Ras Lila that what is so great about this Ras Lila? Krishna is dancing with girls. In the material world, girls are also very anxious to, to be with a handsome man. What is the difference? And Shukadeva Goswami said, the only difference is Krishna is God and the other men are not. That is the difference. The gopis were having great, great fires of desires to, to be with Krishna. Just as Manobiram, just like a young boy and young girl has great aspirations to be with a young boy. The only difference is Krishna is the absolute truth. He is the Supreme Godhead. And if whatever emotions and attachments are directed toward him, that will be the perfection of your life. Similarly, the spiritual master and the great sadhus they somehow or other try to develop within the disciples' hearts an attachment for them. Just like I remember um, I was speaking to one of Prabhupada's earliest disciples. Her name is Malati. She was one of the really, really dynamic servants of Prabhupada in the earliest days of the Hare Krishna movement and she helped him start the temple in San Francisco, she helped him start the temple in England and she was one of the first devotees to come to India. So she had a little daughter, 
name is Saraswati. And there was one disciple of Prabhupada who was Prabhupada's first secretary. His name was, I believe his name was Rancho or something like that. He was the first secretary of Prabhupada. And he was the one that flew on the airplane with Srila Prabhupada from New York to San Francisco, which was the first airplane flight Prabhupada ever took in his life. It was quite an experience to, for this devotee to see Prabhupada's reactions to going up in airplanes and everything like that. And just like one time I went with Tatwa on his first airplane ride, and I was enjoying watching him. But he's still a young man. Prabhupada was 71 years old. He took his first airplane ride. He was looking down, saying, ah, just see, we think, we think we're so big, but we're just... We're only this high up and everything, and we understand how small we are in our whole civilization. The whole city is just like a little thing from this point. What to speak of Krishna? He's so much higher, how he sees us, how insignificant we are. He's having all these revelations and realizations. So, in the, um, in the Prabhupada Lilamrita, it is described that when Prabhupada said that these astronauts did not really go to the moon, this servant, he could not accept it. He was arguing with Prabhupada, but they had to go. It's on TV, it's everything like that. Prabhupada said, it is all nonsense. According to the scriptures, they could not have gone. So shortly after that, he left the movement. He was one of the first devotees to leave the movement, although he was the personal servant of Srila Prabhupada. And it was the impression of many that he left because he could not accept this idea that they did not go to moon. But sometime later, Malati met him. And she was talking. And he said, that's not really the reason I left. That's not the reason at all that I left. I'll tell you secretly why I left the movement. He said, do you remember one day, it was in England, do you remember one day that your little daughter, who was then only three or four years old, three years old, I think, she came and had a beautiful flower and offered it to Prabhupada. And Prabhupada took that flower and accepted it with great pleasure. And then he took the same flower and he very playfully put it in Saraswati's mouth and started to laugh. And she ran away, laughing. When I saw that, I lost all my faith in Prabhupada. There's such a big, staunch sannyasi playing with a child. This is not the way he should behave. And he left because of that. And of course, we understand why Prabhupada did like this. Because a child cannot understand philosophy unless they are Prahlad Maharaj, who could sit in the mother's womb and very carefully and scrutinizingly study the Bhagavad philosophy of Narada Muni. But he's a very rare soul, to say the least. The rest of us were grown men and we fall asleep during Bhagavatam class. Huh? Unless Devamrita gives you a 
stern glance, we would all be sleeping. So children, they are not philosophically inclined. They have no capacity really to, to concentrate on the holy name. So how do the great souls deal with such people? They know that the only way this poor child is going to become Krishna conscious is to develop an attachment for a devotee. So by behaving with the child in such a way that that child learns to love the guru or learns to love a devotee, a sadhu, that child is, by loving the sadhu, she's loving Krishna. And that attachment will purify her heart and attract the mercy of Krishna. So Prabhupada was compassionate to all living beings and he would deal with everyone according to, the, to, to what that person, according to that level, would bring them closer to Krishna. So therefore, feelings of emotion and feelings of love and feelings of concern on every level for the Supreme Personality of Godhead and those personalities who are represented, representing him those personalities who are near and dear to him. Are the means of awakening our natural love of God. So here Srila Shukadev Goswami, the greatest, most stalwart renunciate, is praising the devotees for their tears of love upon seeing the Lord's feet being pricked by the thorns. We have to learn to dovetail our natural feelings and our natural emotions toward Krishna and his devotees and not be captured by our materialistic propensities. And here it is described that the same lotus feet Lord Ramachandra placed within the hearts of his devotees and then he ascended to his eternal abode of Vaikuntha, which is beyond the Brahma Jyoti. In other words, when the Lord leaves, he never leaves his devotees. He may appear in a physical way to leave, but it describes here, but those who remember him, the Lord installs his lotus feet within their hearts always. This is the qualification that we simply aspire to remember him. If we sincerely aspire to remember the Lord, the Lord, it is his promise. Always think of me, become my devotee, worship me, offer your homage unto me, in this way you will come to me without fail. When Krishna says, you will come to me, after death, of course, you will go back to his eternal abode. But during this life, you will always be with Krishna because he will always be manifesting himself within your heart. So therefore, there is no question of separation. Therefore, in remembering Krishna, his lotus feet are more re revealed within our heart. And separation creates a deeper, more intense form of remembrance. Therefore, the lotus feet of the Lord are more revealed in feelings of separation than they are in meeting. This is the transcendental mystery of the science of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Vipralamba Seva. 
that feeling separation from the Lord is the highest form of worship. And here it is explained exactly why. Ramchandra, for those who remembered him, he installed, he placed his lotus feet in, those, in the hearts of those who always think of him. And to the extent we think of him, to that extent those leaded lotus feet are revealed to us. So the more intense our remembrance, the more the feet of God are visible in our life. So in feelings of separation, when the remembrance is most, most severe, the lotus feet of the Lord are most splendidly manifested. So therefore, to cultivate these feelings of separation from the Lord is very, very important because these feelings of separation, these tears of separation, will wash away all of our illusory material attachments to this world. A devotee is always kind. A devotee is always compassionate. A devotee is always the well-wisher of every living being, whoever they are. But at the same time, he knows that the real welfare I can offer to another is by bringing them closer to God, not simply by sharing their illusions. By trying to bring those persons to the remembrances of the Lord by which his lotus feet will be revealed to them. So after manifesting himself in a most loving way to all of his devotees within their hearts, Lord Sri Ramchandra returns to Vaikuntha. And here it is described by Shukadeva Goswami, Atma Jyotir Agat Tata, which means his abode is beyond the Brahma Jyoti. It is described in the uh, Brahma Samhita that the Brahma Jyoti is the effulgence that is emanating from the spiritual world. It's like the sun planet. The sunshine is emanating from it. In a very similar way, from the planets of Vaikuntha, from the planet of Goloka, the highest Vaikuntha, the Brahma Jyoti, the light, is emanating. You see, in the spiritual world, everything emanates its own light. It is a place of brilliance. It is a place where darkness cannot exist. It is explained that Krishna himself, his effulgence, that is emanating from his body is more bright than millions and billions of suns combined. So you can imagine his entire abode, how it is so brilliant with luster. So the Brahma Jyoti is that luster which is emanating from Vaikuntha. And although most everyone in this land of India, their conception of the perfection of life is mukti, are entering into the luster of the Lord. The devotees understand the beauty and attraction of the source of that luster, Sri Krishna. It is true, the Brahma Jyoti is all beautiful. But why is it all beautiful? Because it is coming from the perfect reservoir of all beauty, Sri Krishna. 
and therefore to enter into his abode, there is only one means. It is only through undivided devotion, through pure bhakti, that I can be understood as I am, that one can enter into my eternal abode. It is only by bhakti, devotion to the Lord, not by jnana, not by karma, not by yoga, These things only have value in the eyes of a devotee to the extent they are utilized in the service of Bhakti Devi. It is only by the simple, humble service of the Lord that one can enter into this transcendental position. It is not by magic tricks. It is not by tapasya. It is not by celibacy. These things can bring us at the most into the Brahma Jyoti. But it is simple, humble devotion to the servants of the servants of the servants of the Lord, unmotivated service, that bring us to the point of entrance into Vaikuntha. Just like the wives of the Brahmins. They were simple, uneducated women. Their husbands were tapasis, learned scholars, expert at rituals. But the Yagyapatnis, they knew how to cook and clean, that's all. But because in simple devotion they wanted to please Krishna more than anything else, they were even willing to leave their own home, leave their husbands, go completely against all the social principles, leave their fathers, their father-in-laws, leave their children to please Krishna. They knew nothing else. They had no other understandings except how to please Krishna. Where did they get this information? They would just hear about Krishna from the different people who would sell vegetables on the roadsides. Huh? But they had such an attachment for pleasing Krishna that they, en they were allowed to enter into his eternal abode of love. Whereas the husbands, they could not because they had everything but that simple devotion. So let us aspire. Let us aspire always on the path of bhakti. By always remembering the Supreme Lord, let us ever invite with a grateful heart His lotus feet to manifest within us. Hare Krishna. And of course, there is no more sublime and better way to remember the Lord than humbly chanting His name. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Sri Krishna alone is in Goloka. But those expansions who are worshipped in other rasas that do not include Sakyaras, Vatsalyaras, and Madhuryaras, their abode is Vaikuntha. Goloka is only for that place, only for those devotees 
who want to love the Lord in this Madhurya Ras, Sakya Ras, Vatsalya Ras. Those who love the Lord in Santa Ras and in on reverence for his Aishwarya, they attain those, uh, those spiritual planets where the Lord appears to attract their minds and their hearts in such a way. Therefore, all of the incarnations of the Lord, neither Singha, Varaha, Ram, Chandra, Vamana, they all have their own Vaikuntha planets to attract their particular devotees. Yes? He was, he was not so intimate. Intimate does not mean physical proximity. Intimate means faith. There are persons who never even saw Prabhupada physically, who just read his books, who were millions of times more intimate because they had faith in him. Intimacy with Guru is dependent on our faith, not at all according to our physical proximity. Mm -hmm. Prabhupada was merciful to him, trying to give him what he needed to make him Krishna conscious. But he had very little faith. He was trying to evaluate things according to his own material perspective, according to his opinion of what a sadhu is, not according to the truth of bhakti. Hmm? Physical proximity is not at all necessarily a sign of intimacy. Sometimes the weakest and the people with the least faith, the guru brings the closest to him to try to give him a chance somehow or other to develop that faith. Huh? I remember oftentimes when somebody was having serious problems, Prabhupada would call them leaders of the movement when they were having very bad difficulties, Prabhupada would call them to be with him, to try to raise them up. And in regard to Nubrindavan, the devotees, we used to invite Prabhupada there so many times a year. Practically he has to go, otherwise things will fall apart. Huh? So real intimacy comes through faith in the spiritual master and through executing the order of the spiritual master, not simply by sitting next to him. That is a wonderful opportunity. We should take advantage when the opportunity is there. But that is not necessarily the real thing. Hmm? Yes. Rupa Goswami explains that we should accept those things favorable for devotional service and reject those things unfavorable. A simple formula is 
is this attachment increasing my enthusiasm to serve Krishna or decreasing? Is it, is it distracting my, my mind away from Krishna's service or is it increasing my attachment to Krishna's service? Huh? If we ask this evaluation, we will easily see. How is this attachment helping me? How is this feeling helping me to increase my service to my Gurudev and increase my remembrance of Krishna? Huh? And how much is it distracting me away from this real goal of life? You see, the whole purpose of family life, according to scripture, is that Krishna is in the center and that everyone works together for him. If Krishna is not in the center and everyone's not working together for him, then the whole thing is just a grand illusion. It's spiritually, it's a big zero. So our connection with all of our near and dear ones should be to uplift them and bring them closer to Krishna. Otherwise, there's no meaning. Sometimes we may have to come to their sentimental platform and certain social exchanges, if that's what helps to bring them closer to Krishna. Sometimes we can do. It's called tolerance, compassion. But we don't do it simply to please them. Huh? We do it to please them so that, so that they will be more open to come closer to Krishna, not simply to make them happy. Huh? Because that happiness is an illusion if it's not based on Krishna consciousness. So if our feelings and emotions deepen our attachment to Krishna and his representatives, then they are spiritual. And if they distract our attachment from Krishna and his representatives, then they are material. Huh? Any other questions? Dave Amrit, would you like to test them? Test?